Welcome to HGTV Obsessed, your podcast for all things HGTV. Today's episode is all about creating and caring for your indoor jungle. At least that was our intention. That's the episode we set out to make, but it it ended up being so much more than that. I learned more about myself in these conversations about houseplants than I ever could have predicted. First up, we have the patron saint of houseplants, and honestly, your new favorite person, if you don't already know who he is, Hilton Carter. Hilton was gracing us with his presence, talking all about his latest book, Wild Creations, his sold out Target collaboration, his Magnolia workshops. I mean, my dude is busy. But we also like really dug deep into what taking care of something and keeping something alive says about you. Then we kept we kept that conversation moving and talked to the host of Bloom and Grow radio podcast, Maria Fiala, about how you can figure out what your plant personality is and use that knowledge to stop killing plants. Guys, it's not cute. It's not cute to buy a plant and let it die. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to look at a sad dead house plant again in the same way. I'm, I'm taking things very personally now. Then to top it off, we have my friend and local owner and curator of Oglewood Avenue, a bohemian houseplant boutique. Jade Adams is here to tell us all about the hottest plants everyone wants right now. So just if you're a houseplant person, grab a pad and paper because we are dropping some serious knowledge this week. I'm your host, Mary in Canada, executive producer and HGTV.com lifestyle expert. And when I'm not watching HGTV, I might be buying another houseplant. I mean, I've got a couple on my list after this week's episode, for sure. I only have about 12 houseplants at this point, but... This week's conversations really inspired me to not only bring some new plant friends into the house, but maybe think beyond planters that you can buy at the store and make some of my own cool creations. I mean, Hilton's book, I think I'm going to make his book my weekend project. Well, I don't want to wait another minute for you guys to hear about how you can make your own plant creations. From the plant doctor himself, here is my chat with the extraordinary Hilton Carter. Welcome to HGTV Obsessed. We're so excited to have you here. Hi, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. We couldn't be more excited. I think it's no secret that everyone at HGTV is a huge fan of yours. And it just so happens that you are like the man of the hour right now. You recently released your third book. You just launched your collection at Target, which is like selling out as we speak. Your Magnolia workshop drops soon. You're doing a video for HGTV Handmade. You're You're renovating your new home and you're expecting a baby girl. Did I miss anything? No, I think think you got everything. (laughs) There's a lot of uh, wonderful things that uh, I'm very fortunate to have in my lap. Yeah, well, you are juggling it all in high style. And speaking of style, I want to dive right into talking about your work as a professional plant stylist, because that is maybe one of the coolest like LinkedIn resume, you know, bios ever. Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? It began in my apartment here in Baltimore, wanting to do what I did in my 
own home for uh, those in the neighborhood. Honestly, I was working at an ad agency at the time and needed to find a way to push a little bit of my uh, creativity somewhere else. So I needed, I thought I needed a side hustle. Uh, so I decided I would start uh, promoting myself as an interior stylist and uh, showing people via Instagram the space that I created for myself. And hopefully they would hire me to do that for themselves. And in the process of uh, putting that content out, a lot of individuals uh, noticed the plants that were in my own home and what I did there. And a lot of individuals would request that I do that for them. Uh, Even if they already had their place styled, maybe their furnishings were already created, their walls were painted, et cetera. Uh, They just wanted to bring the outside in. I mean, I think a lot of people... I get very overwhelmed by houseplants and think they need to have all this knowledge. And you're not, you're not a botanist, you know, you have a background in design and film and yet, you know, now you're this authority on these beautiful indoor jungle style homes. But I want to know, I want to go back to your background in design and film. Did you tap into those when you were working on creating your target line or working on your books? You know, were you able to lean on those skill sets? Everything that I do creatively touches all of the skill sets that I was given through schooling. I spent many of years in art situations. I went to an art high school, got my BFA and an art college, Maryland Institute College of Art. And then I left there and went to get my master's in film out in California. So for me, every little aspect of what I do touches those little things that I learned while in school. So photography, writing, understanding composition, understanding color, understanding space and moments and all of those things. I think I utilize those in every single thing that I do now. And I try to find as many moments when I can to continuously sharpen those those tools, right? So I paint whenever I can. I draw whenever I can. Take photos more, a lot of, of things in nature, interiors, whatever it is that will allow me to understand a bit better how to be more of the artist that I want to be. So I don't try to box myself in. I don't allow anyone else to box me in. I'm finding my my way through where I am now just because I just love greenery. I love spaces filled with greenery. I love talking about it. I love uh, helping individuals uh, bring that sort of look, that sort of vibe, that sort of energy into their own homes. But am I a plant stylist, interior stylist, and that's it? No. I think all of these things will help me in every part of being an artist at the end of the day. I feel like sometimes this term gets overused, but you are truly like the definition of a Renaissance man in terms of all the different, you know, all the different ways you express your creativity. I do want to talk a little bit about Target, your incredible first collection for Target. It's so beautiful. I feel like everyone I work with, we've all been making our wish list. I want to know what it was like getting the call that it's happening. You're going to be creating a collection for Target. What was your reaction and and what was that process like? The idea that someone from Target would reach out to me and to ask if I wanted my own line at Target is one of those moments that you never forget. It's a jaw-dropping moment. 
when I had the, the initial conversation with them, I thought they were talking about me promoting some things that they had in their store. And I'm a huge Target shopper. I probably hit Target at least once a week. When they started to tell me exactly what they 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 were thinking, I just stood there in shock. I was I did not understand any words they were saying. I literally just sat there and I said, "Can you please say everything you just said over again?" Because I have I literally heard you, but I'm not hearing you. This was um ten months in the making. There was a lot of back and forth between myself and the Target design team and everyone at Target was just so supportive and excited about creating this line. I feel fortunate because even in the moments of what they call work, I feel like all I'm doing is having fun and playing around and getting excited for every single moment that comes up. So it was very relaxed, very easy, uh, a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. I love that you were just like, wait, excuse me. <laughs> like, I feel like I should be taking notes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, it, it literally was a moment where I was just like, this can't be right. Uh, I think I'm hearing you wrong, clearly, because what you're saying is you get to do the thing you've always wanted to do. Here it is. This is the thing where you can go, people will go into Target and have uh, the opportunity to purchase something that has your name on it, has your face on it. All of your family members will see this. Oh my gosh. Uh, your friends. I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but I mean, you can see the smile on my face now. I know. You're, he, you guys, I wish you could see. He is just beaming. It is like a ray of sunshine coming out of my computer screen. For those of you listening, if you want to see our HGTV Garden editors, favorite picks from uh, Hilton's new line at Target, we'll have those in the show notes at hgtv.com slash podcast. But good luck because they are selling fast. And you're not kidding. If you go to Target right now, it is like your face. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to him. And that is not the only dream collaboration that you have right now. I think literally any day now around when this podcast comes out, you have a Magnolia workshop coming, which is a brand new thing with the new Magnolia network um, headed up by Chip and Joanna Gaines. Can you talk a little bit about Magnolia workshops? This situation for me is fun because I got the opportunity to share all of my favorite notes on plant care. So it is a seven episode workshop that will basically be available on Discovery Plus through the app um, on Magnolia Network's part of that app. And you can watch it, I believe, starting July 15th. And I go through best ways to water your plants or how to think about watering plants, how to propagate your plants, thinking about those moments of repotting, troubleshooting, all of these things that I believe matter to a novice plant parent or someone who's already deep in the soil, got their every single finger, every single toe deep down in the soil and just trying to get a bit more, I would say, encouragement, inspiration from the things that I have to say. So I'm excited to have this for people to see because I think it's it's right for the moment. And yes. now the reason I say that is because there's so many people over the pandemic who found themselves at home wanting to bring in greenery, wanting to fill their their homes with life. And I know from uh, many messages that I received from individuals that, yes, that's what they did. But then they struggled because they weren't sure exactly how to properly care for a plant. So I hope that these chapters will help guide uh, a lot of individuals 
down the right path so that they, if they are taking themselves, which I like to call this on their journey in greenery, that they're able to um, keep these living things alive and find all of that genuine happiness that we all seek when it comes to bringing the outdoors in. I think so many people need this kind of content because people get very excited about buying new plants and they shop with their eyes. You know, they just see something beautiful and they want it in their home and they want it to thrive, but they don't, they don't maybe know as much or, or, or educate themselves on the front end. You just are like, I want that. So I'm really excited about this. For sure. I hope I hope the one thing that comes across out out the gate when they first sit to watch uh, one of the episodes, they hear me say something like, I understand the want to uh, lead with your eyes, lead with your emotions as far as, oh, that plant is so gorgeous. I'm going to bring it into my home because I just want it. I understand that. But I hope everyone can uh, lead with the idea that they are bringing a living thing into their home and that it's going to require the proper type of care to actually live. So regardless, if you have all of the money in the world and you can buy as many plants as you want, it's not cool to bring a plant in, kill it and go buy another one. I hope that everyone can bring plants in and have them thrive, then be excited to bring more in maybe so that they can then have those thrive as well. I'm not trying to take money away from plant shops, right? But what I'm I'm saying is we want to make sure people are tending to their uh, plant babies, as people like to call them, properly versus just stumbling across, trying to find their way through it and struggling before they get it right. Yeah. Well, and you know, if people really can't seem to keep a real plant alive, there are great high quality faux plants out there now, like the ones in your own target line. I see, see, I see, do you see what going. I did there? <laughs> I see exactly what you did. We're talking about like they like to say in the uh, the spot, faux real styling. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you're dealing with faux plants, I got so many messages about faux plants. I don't know if that's is that you, Hilton? Are you someone who Who's okay with faux plants? Thinking, of course I'm okay with faux plants. I grew up surrounded by faux plants. Understand the 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 want and the the need to have faux plants out there. Not everyone, like you just said, has a green thumb, has the knowledge, has the light, has the space, has the time. The idea of a plant filling the moment where you're trying to create shape or color or elevate a corner, right? There's many people who who want that same sort of look and feel, but know that they don't have the light, they don't have the time, and and they need that reminder of life. And, and, And faux plants, while you don't need to tend to them at all, you might need to wipe them down and make sure that they're not getting really dusty. It's that it reminds you of the outdoors, even if it's a faux plant or if it's a mural that's just tropical plants. Uh, Those things spark little things in your brain to make you go, I remember when I was uh, away on vacation and I was hanging around these sort of green leaves and you kind of feel more relaxed, maybe feel a bit more creative in that moment. And I think you want everyone to be able to feel excited for the space that they're in. To have that feeling of, of peace, of, of relaxation. I think the one thing that I stressed when it comes to the faux plants in the Target collection was that 
they feel as real as possible. Like give they them do. a look, you know, like make, maybe have some of the pieces look as though they're starting to, to bloom. Um, <laughs> uh, have some, some leaves, some, some foliage unfurling. Maybe, I don't know. I think that'll be cool. I think get it as close to the real plant as possible. Not to trick people. I don't want people watering. (laughs) Don't water the faux plants, everyone. (laughs) But I do want people to feel like, you know, they they can keep these plants around for a really long time and get those benefits from them. See, guys, the the plant legend himself says no shame in your faux plant game. Like live your live your life. (laughs) I I rather I rather you bring faux plants in. All the time, every single time versus you killing a plant. Yes. If you're killing plants like that, because we all kill plants. I've killed plants. I don't want to make someone feel like if you kill a plant, you're you're an awful person. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is if your only thing is you bring plants in, you don't really do the research on how to care for them and you're always killing plants. I'd rather you just replace that living plant with a faux plant that can then exist in that space, given that you're not ready to take the time to understand how to care for a plant. So that's what I think is important. Yeah. Set yourself up for success. 100%. All right, Hilton, we've talked about your target life. We've talked about your Magnolia Workshop. You also have just released your third incredibly beautiful book, Wild Creations. I mean, do you ever sleep? We'll, we'll get back to that <laughs> later. I really have a lot of questions. Yeah, well, sleep. I don't know. I've, I've been trying to sleep more now since I'm on the clock of uh, baby coming. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. thinking, oh my goodness, no more sleep for me for a while. But uh, yeah, third book, Wild Creations, the trifecta has been finished. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't a three book deal. It was a single book deal every single time. But I knew that I wanted to create a a theme throughout Wild at Home, Wild Interiors, Wild Creations. I think Wild Creations is one of my favorite books because it does a lot of what I find now as deeply preachy uh, when it comes to plant care and trying to share my my feelings, my history, my my deep stories on what I've learned and what I've gone through, my trials and tribulations and what's important when it comes to plant care. And I put that all in a nice section called plant rants. Yes, um, I was about to say, I think <laughs> plant rants is my favorite section. But I do think I do think it was important to make sure that the book had a lot of, uh, I would say, focused care and, and tips or instructions, whatever you want to call them. But the meat and the potatoes of the, the book are the DIY projects. And I think the, the DIY projects in there will help people elevate their space when it comes to styling plants and things of that nature. Well, it is so beautiful. And I have all three of your books and they're just, they're so beautiful together. I really, I have to say it is really worth having all three books because they're so beautiful all together. And as a crafty person myself, I love all of the DIY projects. I know it's hard to choose to pick favorites, but is there a project in the book that is one of your, your favorites? 
honestly, it's the only one that doesn't involve like utilizing a real plant. I will say Jungle by Numbers is probably my favorite project in the book. It, it's what the cover of the book is. Um, it's a paint by numbers project that again is for every single individual. I love it because I got to work with some of my close friends on the project. I love it because it allows you to, regardless of the type of light, like I said earlier, light, care, all those things, you're able to liven up a space. You're giving life to a space, whatever it is, how dark it is, how bright it is. If it's your home, your office, could be your nursery, could be your living room. You're then putting this jungle scene up on your wall and anyone can do it. You just need to understand how to trace a line and figure out what color you want to make the room itself. And what I love about it is that through the process of, of working on it, we learned that it's not just fun for just one individual. You can bring the whole family in. If you understand paint by numbers, I can grab five, six, and one. You can grab two, four, and eight. Someone else can grab 10 and 11. And then we just get to painting. And you can just work on a piece of art together and have fun and really bring that space to life. So I think that project to me is one of my, is one of my favorites because it can be for every single individual, regardless of your care level, your the space that you have, your talent, how crafty you are. You're just filling in, <laughs> filling in the blocks that you just traced. And I believe everyone has at some point in their lives colored in something. You know, I think we've all colored in a coloring book. And I think basically <laughs> that's what it is. It's like trace it out on your wall and get to work and have fun. Big shout out to uh, Drew Drury is his full name, Drury Bynum for being the designer who helped come up with the, the look of the Jungle by Numbers mural. Um, I told them what I wanted it to feel like, told them types of plants I wanted to see there. I gave him the, the the palette that I wanted to go with and he he whipped it up and put it together. It is so beautiful. I really recommend it. Even if you feel like intimidated by the idea of painting a large mural, you break it down so clearly. You make it feel so approachable. And I also want to point out to everyone listening, um, if you want to see Hilton at work, he's going to be on HGTV Handmade DIYing the Moss Wall Project from his book. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes at HGTV.com slash podcast as well. I love it. I love it. And, that's, and that project to me too, is another one. Again, that's another project that helps individuals create that sort of, uh, that sort of life in their homes without dealing with living plants, right? But you still can make a space feel alive through the process of using preserved moss. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. So you mentioned before that you and your wife, Fiona, are expecting a baby girl soon. Um, yeah. I, I have to ask, how do you feel about, you know, going from plant dad to, to human dad? I feel incredible. I have been thinking about what it would be like to be a father uh, since I graduated college. I spent a lot of time thinking about my future and planning out my future and wanting the moment when I had a kid to be the right moment and to be settled in a space where I could give my future children, whatever it is, uh, a life that I didn't feel like I, I had as a kid. I had a wonderful life, but there were moments where if I would have had 
uh, a bit more financial security. My family would have had a bit more financial security. I could have seen other things come my way. And a kid from Baltimore trying to find that path for himself, for me, like that was my my goal. And I told myself, like, until I'm ready, that's when I'll have kids. And as I got older, the ready part kind of just fell to the wayside, I guess, because it didn't really feel like there was a time when I would be ready. Everything just keeps moving. Life just keeps happening. And, there's, and I realized there is no perfect time for children. To me, it was all about just making sure at this point, like I can do all the things that I want to do with my uh, children. I think about the time I put into plants and the time I put into the pets that we have and just the time I put into the love that I have for my wife. And I wonder, like, how is it even possible to focus on those other things when this new, this little human is going to be in the world. And I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I think about it and it tears me apart because I'm just like, how do you go back to work? How do you go back to life? How do you not do any, how do you, how do you do any other thing, but just look at that little person and do everything at that moment? I find myself thinking about that a lot, especially when world, worldly stress comes into my, into my space. I just go, there's a little human that's going to be here soon. And that is the focus. That is everything. I just feel this immense energy. And maybe that's just the way it works, all right? Like when you're becoming a parent, something in your brain starts to push out all of these these things that make you feel like you're going to do everything possible to make sure <laughs> that, that that baby is is given what it needs to survive in this world. So I'm so excited. I, I don't, I've never been more excited about anything in my entire life. I feel like this is what I've been working up for. I've been training through uh, my pets. I've been training through my plants. I tell, I say a lot about this in Wild Creations is that this idea that my life completely changed for me once I started to bring plants into my world. Because not only did it slow me down a bit, it made me understand paying attention to the small things, the small details, and to notice them or take care of them in the moments, not let them slide in there. And those are the, the tangible benefits people can get from plant care. Or if it's pet care, they say like whenever people are uh, like a couple's together and they're thinking about maybe bringing a baby into the world, they'll get an animal, right? They'll get a pet together and raise that pet. I think for me, it helped me not only care for my pets better when it comes to care for plants. It helped me understand how to be a better boyfriend at the time. It helped me understand how to be a better husband. And I feel like it's going to really uh, focus me in on how to be a better parent. There are real benefits of plant care. You'll you'll see your body and mind change because you're going through what I call like my uh, moments of meditation throughout the week, whether it's watering plants, wiping leaves down. You zone in. When I'm caring for a plant, that's like, there's nothing else for me to do but to look at the soil, check the moisture level, look at the leaves, stress out because what is happening right now? I thought I did this right. <laughs> you know, like I think I think those are the things I'm, I'm pulling, putting into my notepad on. These are the things you, could, you should think about when you're tending to your daughter's needs, to your yeah. wife's needs. Like pay attention to those small details, those small nuances, because they matter. I could listen to you talk for hours, but I know we are almost out of time and we could not let you leave without taking part in one of our favorite segments, Defend the Trend. 
All right. Now, this time, instead of usually we would be giving you a trend and like getting your hot take on it, but we're going to kind of flip the script a little bit and have you forecast the next trend. So we have seen the fiddly fig and the monstera, you know, get their 15 minutes of plant fame over the years, right? Those were the hot plants everybody had to have, or it was a snake plant or, you know, succulents. What houseplant do you think deserves the spotlight next? I do think every plant has a, a, a place in many different types of homes. Like you said, the fiddle fig, monstera, the pilia plant, that Chinese money plant had its time. Variegated plants are really um, hot at the moment. I can see the transition from a lot of people wanting variegated plants, but also understanding what is a bit easier to care for, let's say. So I do see people getting the Birkin philodendron. While you might not be able to get a Birkin bag, you can get yourself a Birkin philodendron plant. Okay. I think that, I think, <laughs> I think that plant is, is ready for its moment. Uh, other than that, there are many other, and I said this in Wild Interiors, and I believe it's still, it's still it's ready to bubble, is the Audrey ficus, cousin to the fiddle leaf fig. Beautiful, soft foliage tree-like so it can grow into this nice big size tree in your home. So I would say those two, if you're going to, if I'm going to replace one for one, we're replacing one philodendrome, the monstera with the Birkin, and then we're replacing one ficus for another. So we're coming from the fiddle leaf fig, and we're replacing that with a um, Audrey ficus. So yet you're going to see a lot in your plant, in your plant stores. Cause like, like you said, like once the fiddle, the fiddle leaf fig and the monstera became the it plants, you then saw them in any every store, hardware stores, grocery stores. I've, I found the Monstera at a grocery store and I was like, this plant is only $15 here. Like this local plant shop is charging $100 for this same plant. It makes you wonder where the, where the, where the grocery store got their plant from. Yes. But, but it is one of those things where you're just like, wait, I think people want what they can't have a lot. So once these plants become a bit more popular, then they'll start seeking other plants out there. And I do think the Birkin and the Audrey will find their way. Well, there you go. You heard it here first, people. And you know what's funny? Last year, I tried to find an Audrey ficus and my nursery was like, we don't have those yet. <laughs> like we don't. Not yet. You're the Not first yet. person to ask for this. So I feel very proud of I myself. Love it. Although I I've love never it. heard of a Birkin philodendron, <laughs> but it does sound a lot more affordable than a Birkin Af bag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. After this, after after we get off here, go look it up. Go look at it. I have one on my um, Instagram page now. I think if I did a I did a uh, care tip uh, video on it a few days ago. Check it out. Beautiful foliage grows fairly large um, in your home. Not difficult to care for. Easy to propagate. These are beautiful plants. So. Adding it to my list. Well, Hilton, before you go, tell all the people listening where we can find you online, where we can follow all of your different projects on social media and where we can buy all of your books. Whoa. Yes. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to have this space to talk about this. Yes. Anyone can, if they are on social, me oh, social media, Instagram is where I do have the most fun. So I'm on Instagram at Hilton Carter. That's where you can find me sharing some plant tips, some styling tips, a lot of my favorite interior pieces that I'm really into or just plant care in general. And if you are buying books, 
books you can find wherever books are sold. The first thing I would say to those who are interested in my books, Wild at Home, Wild Creations, Wild uh, Interiors, is if you could possibly go to your local bookstore and see if they have it first. If they don't, ask if they could get it because they can get these books and then you can support your local bookstore, bookshop, plant shop, coffee shop, whatever it is. A lot of these places are starting to carry more books. If you want even more of Hilton and who wouldn't, his Magnolia Workshop should be dropping right about now. So you can go go buy yourself your Birkin philodendron and then you can go watch his Magnolia Workshop to learn how to take care of it. This has been so wonderful. I just, I'm so excited about all the goodness that's coming your way. It's so deserved and it's so fun to follow along. I can't wait to see the nursery. I can't wait to see your home renovations. We didn't even get to talk about that. So you're clearly just going to have to come back. Yeah, whenever you want me back, I'll be back. (laughs) Hilton, thank you so much. Come back anytime. I really appreciate it. You guys take care of yourselves and please be safe out there. The Birkin Philodendron. I have never heard of that one. And, you know, I guess I'll just put off getting a Birkin bag and get a Birkin plant instead. I don't know if Brad knows what a Birkin bag is. It's like a $20,000 handbag, Bradley. It's just one of those bags. Every woman, we all know what it is. Yep. I was just yeah. looking up the most expensive house plant, though. Is there like a house plant that's like thousands of dollars? School us, Madeline. Is it? I bet it's some weird orchid. There are some very expensive orchids. It looks like potentially it's this really crazy, gorgeous, variegated monstera that has, it looks like, I don't know, albino characteristics. So like half of it's white and it's just this like fully rooted, very large house plant. It's $10,000. Jeez. There's also this new trend and this, this could be something we talk about in an entirely different episode where people are extremely wealthy people are paying people to source these very old, exotic, unique trees. And they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to have like, you know, an ancient gnarled olive tree placed in their atrium. So, you know, add that to your, uh, your job wish list. You could be a, a tree scout. Oh yeah. It looks like, it looks like bonsais, like really old ancient bonsais are also, yeah, a little, a little more than a Birkin bag. It looks like so <laughs> a little. one of us will get there one day. There is a yep. whole new world out there that I didn't, didn't know existed. Honestly, Brad, it's probably, you're probably better off, but anyway, I digress. Next up. We are, we're going to keep this, this houseplant therapy train a rolling because we are talking to Maria Fiala, host of the incredible podcast, Bloom and Grow Radio. And Maria is here to talk to us about learning your plant personality and, and using what you can learn about yourself to keep your plants alive. Who knew that, you know, it was so much more than just a little sunlight and a little water. It's, it's, we get deep. It's all about who you are inside. So here's my chat with Maria. Hi, Maria. I'm such a huge fan of yours. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Well, gee, thanks. And I really love HDTV Obsessed and what you guys are doing. So I'm honored to be here and also on Hilton's episode. So proud of him. Hilton was on my podcast years ago. So it's so fun to see how the plant space and everybody in it is just 
growing, you know, in the last couple of years. It's just been a super exciting space to be a part of. It is. But Maria, you are a self-proclaimed plant killer turned plant lady and the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Bloom and Grow Radio, um, and also a YouTube channel by the same name. I want to ask, I want to go back to like your roots, pun intended. Do you remember your first houseplant? Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like I remember my first houseplant that I killed. And then I also remember my first houseplant that I didn't kill because I feel like you nailed it. I have two very specific chapters of my life, my plant killer days and my plant lady days. I have about like a trail of maybe 20 dead plants in my wake from the plant killer days. I come from a line of Italian gardeners, like farmers, and the gene just skipped me. So, you know, back in the day when I was a working musical theater performer, I was rather transient. I was always traveling. I had two plants that I brought home and killed almost immediately, So, which I think we can talk about why a little bit later. But I had succulents that I killed in in super, super rough ways um, by potting them up in like cute little votive candle holders and essentially drowning them, of course. putting them in low light situations. Yep. And then I also had a beautiful Tradescantia zebrina, but that plant also succumbed. And then the first plants that I successfully cared for were in a different apartment. And it was a really sweet and simple jade plant that I bought at a local box store. I had huge southern facing windows and I got really lucky because that jade is a definitely highlight tolerant plant that I was lucky enough to have highlight because I think a lot of people bring those home and put them in low light. In that apartment, I had 160 plants in my in the peak of my my crazy plant ladiness. So I filled about 500 square feet of a New York City apartment with 160 plants. So it was definitely jungle vibes for sure. I do like how you literally went like zero, like from killing plants to just like that. That's a that's a staggering number of plants. I say that I went from zero to 60 literally and figuratively because I accumulated probably once I figured out I could I could stop killing plants. I accumulated about 60 plants in three months. Wow. It was definitely extreme, but I'm kind of an extreme intense person. So it made sense for my personality. (laughs) I love it. You just dive in. Speaking of personality. Oh, my gosh. You just set me up for the segue. I love your plant personality quiz. We all took it here. And we all what's funny is my entire team, we all have the same exact plant personality, which is not surprising. Who are you? We're all the designer. Like we're all the person who looks for aesthetics before anything. Interesting. And we all work for HGTV. So we are going to think most about the about a plant as like a sculptural addition to your space. But I want you to tell everyone a little bit about your plant personality quiz, which you can find on bloomandgrowradio.com. It tells people what their personality is and then gives you tips on how to be the best plant person based on your personality. So what's your plant personality? Well, my plant personality. So I think that you can fluctuate. There's a little bit of every personality inside all of us. And I feel like if you take any type of personality test, you can kind of resonate with a little bit of everything. I'm a huge believer in the Enneagram. I'm a three wing (gasps) wing four. I'm a three wing two. (laughs) Oh, my God. Really? See, we knew. Madeline is also a fellow three. So... 
shout out to the Enneagram. I think one of probably the most unbelievable tools for to getting to know yourself and actually the inspiration for the plant parent personality test. The biggest question that I always get is what's the right plant for me? I can't keep any plant alive. What's the best starter plant? And my answer is always there isn't the right starter plant for everyone because different personality types need different types of plants that require different care. There are five different personality types in my in my test and over four years podcasting over at Bloom and Grow Radio, I've gotten to know like thousands of my listeners around the world. And no matter how many I met, there were always these personality archetypes that would show up over and over. I was like, okay, there's something going on here. There are like, there is a reason why these personality tests are so instrumental in other areas of the world. Like, why can't there be one for us plant people, right? And maybe I could make some sort of tool that helps people, beginners, kind of get on the right path. Because when we were just talking about those plants that I killed, you know, I had a low light environment and I really wanted to kind of care for plants a lot. I'm a mind. So I'm 80% mind mindful plant parent, 20% low key plant parent, depending on what season of life I'm in. (laughs) A mindful plant parent is someone who wants to really spend time with their plants, engage with them, likely water them, care with them like on a daily basis. I was watering those succulents, which don't need a lot of water. Succulents need to be kind of left alone way too much. And so I overwatered them and killed them. For my personality, uh, a plant that, you know, is a little bit more forgiving of overwatering <laughs> or even likes to be in more moist of a medium is a better situation for me. So I think a, a little bit of my of, of each plant parent personality lives within you. I'm actually the design is probably the one that I resonate the least with because I've actually I need shows on HGTV to help me understand design because that's never come to me now. Naturally, But as I move into my first home next year, I know that I'm all of a sudden going to be like all about designing with plants and how I can incorporate grow lights and bookshelves and green walls and all that kind of stuff. So it's very interesting how you can fluctuate. But yeah, just like you said, so the personality test, it's free. You get your personality and there's the pros and cons to each because like the Enneagram, like the most instrumental part is like learning your shadows or like what kind of the negative aspects of your of your personality suggested plants suggested. DIY projects because I do a lot of fun planty DIY projects on my YouTube channel and podcasts to Uh, listen to. See, amazing. It's such an amazing resource. And I really, I really identified. And I have also killed many a succulent because again, just like you said, I love the way they look. I find them very Mm -hmm. aesthetically pleasing. And so I always wanted to have them, but I always wanted to have them in a place where I could really show them off and see them, but not the best place for them. So they were not getting enough light or I would put them. I'm in a planter that didn't have drainage. I have killed many succulents in my day. I feel very guilty. I think succulents, it, it's kind of fake news out there. And I've talked about this before that everyone says succulents are so easy. You can't kill a succulent. For some reason, that's some sort of weird myth that everybody believes. It's like propaganda. <laughs> everyone kills succulents. Like everyone has killed a succulent and then everybody feels bad about it. And that was kind of my experience. Like I tried to bring these succulents home. I killed them. And then I thought I was a plant killer and labeled myself as a plant killer for like the first decade of my adult life. And I wasn't able to experience 
experience like the unbelievable emotional benefits of, of having plants in your space because I just didn't have the education and I didn't know any better. Succulents are not easy to care for. You need very specific conditions. You need super, super duper sun, quick draining soil, holes in the bottom of your pots and the ability to not water them as much as you probably want to um, in order for them to thrive, yes. you know, and if you're on the West Coast, maybe you're also probably a little bit more set up for success than if you're on the East Coast. That's exactly what I was going to say. I kind of just made a decision to leave the succulents and the cacti to my good friends that live in Southern California, where they just grow in the ground. You mentioned already that one of your the, the number one questions you get is like what plant to start with. But say we've we've moved on, we've got plants. What's the question you most often get asked about indoor plant care? I think a lot of the questions come from like how often I should actually be watering this plant or what is my light situation? Because I think that the more I dive into plant care, the more classes I take, the more episodes and interviews I do, the more I realize everybody's homes, especially when it comes to houseplants, are so unique. And everybody wants to know how often they should water their snake plant. But the snake plant in my house in super low light conditions in a general potting mix is going to dry out and need so much less water than the snake plant in your house in a sunny window in super aerated mix in a terracotta planter. So I think I get a lot of those general care guides because, you know, everybody gets those cute little plant care cards when you buy a plant at a nice plant shop, at least. And they say like water once every two weeks, water this, water that. And those are great rules of thumb. But I think people get really confused about watering and light for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think something that we're learning um, in this episode in general, that's something that that Hilton really talked about is nothing is one size fits all. Oh my God. Yes. No plant is going to respond the exact same way in every different environment with every different person. And this idea that there is a, a one stop, like this is how you take care of house plants. It's just, it's impossible. Plants are like people. They are going to thrive under different conditions. I would like to hear though, as you know, as such a, a plant expert with so many of them, you know, you've talked a little bit about watering being a huge issue and about light. What are some other common issues with indoor plants and how do you address them? I know, I know at HGTV we get a lot of questions about some pests that sometimes mm. hitchhike into your home on a plant. Hitchhiking is a great word. I would definitely recommend. If you are in that moment of life where you're all of a sudden turned on by plants and you can't stop collecting them and you're going from zero to 60 the way I did, everybody hits that moment. I think it's really important when you're bringing a lot of plants home and when you already kind of have an established collection to something we've all gotten so good at this last year, quarantine. <laughs> so I think it's really important to quarantine your plants for up to two weeks before you kind of put them next to your collection. Because if you think about it, these plants are coming from a nursery. They're coming from stressed conditions, which can often kind of trigger and kind of invite pests to show up. And to our eye, a lot of the times we can't necessarily see the pests so well. They're kind of good at hiding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have mealybugs, those you can see on a plant really easy. They're like little white, you know, cotton balls like rolling around the plant. But spider mites that like are tiny little microscopic pests that like hide under your leaves, like they might take a couple of days to kind of present 
present themselves to you, especially if you don't have a lens or anything like that. You know, if you bring one plant home with spider mites, your whole, you know, collection could go down. And and that's kind of a tough pest, a common and tough pest to kind of bounce back from. Mm -hmm. Another tip that I would have that I see a lot, and I only say this because it, it was my big issue when I was still a plant killer, was using pots with no drainage holes. Ooh, so yes. that's like my number one. Having a hole at the bottom of your pot where extra water can exit and not sit and rot out your plants is super helpful. If you think about it, you know, you're mimicking rainfall, you're giving your plant a thorough water, you want the water to drain out of the bottom of the pot. You can let that pot sit with that saucer with a little bit of water for like a few hours because it might wick the water back up, but then dump that water out. If you want to set yourself up for success, using pots with holes at the bottom, I just think is a much better way to get to know your plant, right? Because when you bring plants home, you kind of enter this relationship with it. And the first couple of times, you're not going to do it perfectly. You're going to forget one week and underwater. You're going to have a moment when you overwater. You're going to figure out, oh, you know what? I've been watering every seven days. Let me stretch to 10 days and like see how that feels. Or all of a sudden it's the winter. So you're going to have to learn how to kind of scale your watering back. Like it's this ongoing conversation with your plant having the easiest way to kind of really notice what's going on with it. And for me personally, in my collection, that's been having holes in the bottom of the pots, I think is just like a no brainer for beginners. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't even think they should make planters that don't have drainage holes. I just feel like it's such a bad idea. And then the other so the other thing is, so say you're at CB2 or anthropology or, you know, all those other stores that I love to buy, buy planters at and it doesn't have a hole. What you can do is a method called cash po, which I think in French translates to like literally hiding the pot. Mm -hmm. But basically keep your plant in its nursery pot that it comes from the nursery with or even pot it into a different nursery pot you have laying around and upcycle it and then slide that pot into the fancy planter with no drainage. So then you can still do the watering that you need to do, letting the water run out the bottom of the hole. That's a great tip. Yeah. And for also design-based plant parents, what I'll say is the only thing about my collection that I do kind of like put my foot down about, I keep all of my planters in terracotta Me too. for the most part. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. With the exception of like a few, you know, a few special planters and a few older planters. But number one, as you know, terracotta is a wicking material. If you do, if you are a mindful plant parent, if you do give an overwater, the terracotta will actually absorb some of it and kind of help your help your roots out. It's super affordable and it looks gorgeous. And the more they kind of get weathered and get that kind of patina look to them, it's so cool. And there are amazing artists too that are doing all of these amazing things with terracotta and planters. So like unifying your planter situation will also immediately elevate your plant collection in terms of design aesthetic. Before we let you go, I have one more question because you've you've given so much great advice. That's such a good advice about keeping the plant in the nursery pot if you have a pot without drainage. But I do want to talk a little bit more about light. I see that behind yeah. you, you have some grow lights. And I think that's something that people find intimidating or they don't know when they need them or when they don't and what's the right kind to buy. So tell us a little bit. Give us give us a good beginner strategy for grow lights. When I started my podcast, literally had no idea because I started my podcast as a true novice. So I interview experts, learn alongside my listener, truly had no idea that there were even grow light. That was even a thing that there were light bulbs that could mimic the sun and help you grow plants. Like, how cool is that? Cut to me now. I have seven grow lights in my home. So for those 
who don't know, a grow light is literally a light bulb. You can get them as T5s or LEDs that like mimic the sun with a photosynthetic spectrum that basically acts like the sun for your plants. So I have grow lights in my bookshelves because my bookshelves are super low, but I think it looks really cool to have like a shelf full of plants tumbling out instead of a shelf full of books. And so I've installed grow lights there. If you go to my YouTube channel, I've I've installed grow lights in lots of weird places in my home. A few rule of thumbs, and I have three deep dive episodes on like what the red light does Mm. versus the blue and why your plants are purple and all of that. We don't have to dive into that right now. That's like next level, but some great tips for people looking to start to maybe buy their first grow light is you want to look for a full spectrum white light that gets all of the different colors because that's what the sun does. Those purple lights, like you can get lights like those purple lights. Some of them are orange because it just pumps, you know, one type of light that helps with growing leaves or flowering or that kind of stuff. But like, don't mess with that. Just just get a nice white light. Timers are super helpful because you need to trigger these lights to go on for different periods of time throughout the day. And those periods of time might not sync up with your life. So having a set it and forget it timer situation really helps because then your lights just turn on and they turn off. Most of our grow lights run from like 7 a.m. to like 8 or 9 p.m. And they actually wake me up in the morning. Oh, wow. So especially in the winter when, you know, in the Northeast, at least where I live, like the sun, it's dark out at 6 and 7 a.m. in the morning. The grow lights are going are a great way to wake up kind of quote unquote naturally with the sun, but not. There are just so many companies now that make like amazingly stylish grow lights. Like we have really super modern Soltech solutions like fixtures that just look like a super sleek modern light and no one really knows the difference. So there are a lot of great grow lights on the market that you can buy if you want to install or even like if you have a desk lamp, you can buy like a grow bulb that you can just screw into any normal desk lamp just in order to like up your light in your desk area. I personally think it's really important to have plants surrounding your desk to give yourself some breaks throughout your workday, especially we're all like on these computer screens Mm -hmm. all the time. They're like a nice way to kind of reconnect with nature. And the other thing I would say is if you're on the fence about getting, getting a grow light, in my experience, I find that most people overestimate how bright their indoor environment is rather than underestimate. Even if you have huge southern windowsills, two feet from that windowsill is pretty low light. Like the light really dissipates as you move within your home. And there are probably in anybody's home a lot of low light areas. And I would also say with light, like lighting basics is to beware of your corners of your house. So especially for people who are design based, we all see in all of the magazines, these huge structural fiddly fig trees like style in a dark corner. Those (laughs) corners, if you think about it, corners actually tend to be like the darkest area of our home because the light kind of passes right through it when the corner is next to a window. So we in our old apartment had huge southern facing windowsills, right? The corners on either side of those windows were like completely dark. So we actually installed these pendant style grow lights in our corners because we wanted to fill the corners with plants, but like didn't have the light to supplement it. So we had a fiddly fig, but it was under a grow light knowing that that fiddly fig would be like super pissed if it was just in that. Yeah, um, that is uh, literally a fight I had with my best friend this week because she bought a tree and for this corner that she wanted something to ha- she wanted height yeah. 
And she was like, well, I mean, it's near the window. And I was like, that is the darkest corner in your room. There's such an investment too. like if you buy a big fiddly fig, sometimes those are like two to three hundred dollars, you know, and I've had so many people like write me being like, why isn't my fiddly fig doing well? I spent so much money and not money on it. And I'm like, because plants eat light and it needs it needs its food. You got to give it some sunshine, you know. But for people who are interested in like figuring out their indoor lighting environment, I do have a free download on my website that takes you through tracking the light in your house for a week. And it gives you like a step by step guide how to understand your indoor light and then like some suggestions, because I do think it's super confusing. You clearly, Maria, are such a wealth of information. We will make sure to put all the links to Maria's website in the show notes at hgtv.com slash podcast. I want you to tell everyone where we can find you on social media, where we can listen to your podcast and where everyone can learn their own plant personalities. Yay. I want to hear what everyone's personalities are. Let me know on social media. So the podcast is called Bloom and Grow Radio. Bloom and Grow, like from the song Edelweiss. And I'm pretty much Bloom and Grow Radio on Instagram, TikTok, all the social medias, except for Twitter, I'm on. You can take the personality test on my website, bloomandgrowradio.com. It's free. It'll give you a couple of suggested podcasts to start with. We have 140 episodes ranging from soil science to like grow lights, 101 to a whole series on like plants and wellness. Um, There's truly something for everyone. So I'd love for you guys to hop on over after you're done binging this podcast. And I'm so thankful for you to have me on. Well, we're thrilled. And maybe we'll have you on next time. And you can tell us more about about windows because now I'm I'm eyeing all of mine wondering if I have everything in the right spot. Yeah, we can do a lighting crash course. I love it. I highly encourage you guys to head over to bloomandgrowradio.com to figure out your own personal plant personality. Wow. Personal plant personality is hard to say, but it's really given me some self-realization for sure. And everyone on my team, with the exception of Brad, we're all design-based, which makes sense knowing us all. Brad is an anxiety-based plant parent. Yeah, I was the mind the mindful plant parent where I'm kind of like a helicopter parent where I'm just very concerned 24 hours a day for my plants. Yeah. You'll definitely, you would kill a succulent by overwatering. It just, you have it written all over your face. And I would cry. (laughs) Brad is so sensitive. (laughs) Well, I have one more treat up for you guys. Our next guest, Jade Adams, owner of Oglewood Avenue Plant Boutique, is here to talk more about knowing yourself through plant care and also, I mean, what you can buy. I I like to wrap things up. It's been a lot of feelings talk. I want to go shopping. Here's my chat with Jade. All right, Jade. Hi, I'm so excited to have you on. I feel like I know you, but I know we have not technically met. No, I'm excited to be here. So Jade, you are the creator and owner of Oglewood Avenue, a houseplant boutique here in Knoxville, Tennessee. If someone came into your store right now and said, I want to make my home feel like a jungle. What plants would you recommend? Oh, okay. So kind of think of what's in my home because my house feels like a jungle. Um, and the first plant I'd probably recommend would be if they have the light for it because it's a very like sunny plant would be a bird of paradise. It's a plant that has like really large, large kind of immaculate leaves. Each leaf that kind of unfurls is bigger than the next leaf. They can get up to, we have one at the store right now that 
is no kidding, maybe nine feet tall. Whoa. She's in the, in the corner. She's maybe nine or 10 feet. And she definitely like fills up a room. Um, so I would probably suggest that one for sure. It's super easy. We only water like every other week um, and give it a good mist. But it definitely gives you jungle interior kind of an aesthetic really, really quickly. That would be my first choice. My second choice would be a plant that probably everyone kind of knows and loves um, and is seen everywhere, but it's really, really big and it's a quick grower. So it's called the Monstera Deliciosa. Um, it's oh, new. yes. Yes, yes. The statement plant of the year. But it's a really good plant to kind of emulate some jungle vibes because of how fast it grows. So you might get it and it might be like a wee little baby. And then by the spring and the summer, it might double and triple in size. So and it just makes you feel like a good plant parent because it grows just so quick. Um, so that'd be my second one. And the third plant probably be just like a standard good old pothos, just a basic beginner friendly plant that only because it's Probably one that's not going to die quickly on you, so you can neglect it just a tad bit more than the other two. They are. They're pretty forgiving. They they kind of take a beating and and they can be so, they can trail so pretty. You can kind of train them like up over windows or put them up on a ledge. I have a pothos and I have a huge monstera. And in fact, earlier in this episode was telling our previous guest, Maria, that it was destroyed down to, it had no leaves. It was just like three little nubs sticking out of the ground. And that was a year ago. And it is now, I mean, you would never know that this plant had no leaves. It is huge and trying to take over my office. So definitely uh, agree with that. And you mentioned with the Bird of Paradise, you know, misting and watering. Do these kind of jungly tropical plants typically require more water or humidity? Oh, for sure. Humidity is probably key for keeping all of these tropical plants alive. At the store, we kind of specialize in the rainforesty tropical plants. And our secret sauce is definitely how humid we keep the store. It's people come in, if they wear glasses, they immediately fog up um, because (laughs) of how humid it is. I wouldn't say that it's like the number one necessity. So like number one will always be watering, will always be sunlight. But that third thing um, that keeps that plant healthy, happy and pushing out new leaves is definitely the humidity. I love it. It's like part store, part spa treatment. And your shop is so beautiful. Everyone listening, you need to go and check out Oglewood Avenue on Instagram so you can get a little peek if you're not here in Knoxville. What is the most popular plant that you're selling at the store right now? We do keep a variety of plants, but the most popular, the one that flies out, actually surprised me. They're called alocasias. You normally think it'd be more like a monstera or fiddly fig, something just a little bit more common, but I've I've seen a upward trend in people trying to find some more of the more unique plants. Any type of alocasia, or they call them like jewel alocasia types, they're plants that kind of pop up and grow really, really quick in the spring and the summer. And sometimes they go dormant and die off in the winter, but they, they are a house plant. They have these really just unique leaf shapes that people gravitate towards, and you can find them in all different types of sizes and shapes. So that would probably be right now in this spring season, the most popular plant. But the most bought plant is a snake plant, actually. Ah, yeah, the well, plant that go. people buy the most is, is a Sansevieria. It's a snake plant. Can't beat a snake plant. I have one that's almost as big as my 12-year-old. Uh, it's, it's, very, it's very happy. And I love a snake plant, too, because you can just forget about it. I once forgot that I had left it in the garage for six weeks, and it was fine. <laughs> 
It was no worse for me. I was a little like, are you a real plant? And I just looked up the alocasia and realized I have I have some of these in my yard and they come up, like you said, every spring. They're in a really kind of damp, shady area of my yard where I keep a lot. Of, I have a lot of like shade plants growing over there. And yeah, these come up and uh, they can even produce a flower, which is so, so crazy. It must be happy there, right? Yeah, if it's producing some flowers for you, it's definitely uh, happy in its spot for sure. So when someone is buying plants, you know, I, we've talked about this throughout this episode. We, we're, we've talked to Hilton Carter and Maria Faella, and all of us talk about this problem where you walk into a store and you see all these beautiful plants and you're what you know about your space and your ability to take care of a plant just flies out the window and you just want all the pretty things. But when someone is shopping for a plant, what are a few key things they should keep an eye out for to figure out if a plant is right for them in their space? So the first thing I would keep in mind is just your light levels and your environment. So even if you want that gorgeous fiddly fig, but you know that your house is shaded or you don't have a lot of light in your space, then that's definitely not the plant for you. So just I would say the first thing would be being realistic with your lighting levels when it comes to putting new plants in your collection. There's even been times where I gravitate towards a plant from my personal collection and I know I don't have the light for it and I take it home and it struggles um, just because I didn't take the time to really think about my household and if that plant was going to do right there. So that'd be my first thing is just being re- being realistic with your house conditions, no matter if it's lighting, if you have a dry home, if your house is really humid because it might be older, um, keeping just Realistic expectations would be the first one. The second one I would say is thinking about your lifestyle. If you're an on-the-go person, a plant that you might have to water twice a week might not be the right one for you. Or if you find that you're a person who overloves their plants and you water all of the time, a snake plant, a plant that you don't have to water barely any, um, you'd kill it really quickly. So just being, knowing your lifestyle, knowing, um, just some small details if you're overwater, if you're underwater, if you're always traveling, if you're always home, would be probably the second thing I would keep in mind. And the third is that a lot of our customers might buy 10 or 12 plants in one setting. Uh, and I always, I'm always kind of reminding them that you're bringing 12 new extra things to care for home. So even though everything in the store looks beautiful and pretty and happy, kind of keeping in mind that they're also going to be your responsibility after you leave the store and that 12 or 13 plants might be a lot to take care of in (laughs) that quick, in that quick time span. So that'd probably be the last thing I'd say, keep in mind when shopping. Just pace yourself a little. That seems to be a recurring theme throughout this episode, though, is really something I love is how much buying plants is actually about knowing yourself. I just never would have thought that that would have been the overarching theme from an episode about house plants. But it really it does come back to knowing yourself and knowing your environment and your lifestyle. So it's given me a lot to think about. All right, Jade, I have one more burning question for you. And this is your opportunity to kind of shine a light maybe on a less popular or, or less common or less well known plant. If you could encourage someone to buy one house plant today, and you wanted you wanted them to branch out a little bit, you wanted them to branch out beyond the snake plant, the monstera, the potho, the pothos, what would it be? 
the plant that I have been obsessed with lately that I did not think that I would like as much as I actually do is actually a strawberry begonia. I know, it's, a, it's one that surprised me. Or like even begonias in general have been something that I've been loving to care for lately. The strawberry one in particular is one that's been fun to watch grow this last month or two. It seems kind of intimidating at first because you have to water it weekly, but it's really a hardy plant. And they kind of throw out these little runners with small little leaves on them. So they look like a trailing plant, but it's a begonia. And they're beautiful when they get bigger. They're a little unique. These are extremely cute. I don't think I've ever seen um, this kind of begonia and they are, they're very charming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching, I've been watching them grow for the last two months here. And I think I've kind of fallen for them hard. So I always um, recommend them for people looking for some people just come in and they'd be like, show me a plant you like. And I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And so I'd been showing them that plant lately, but it always changes for sure. Jade, this has been so fun. I think uh, we definitely need to have you on again to talk about, you know, what your newest plant obsession is. If everyone wants to follow along and see your shop or come visit, if you're in town, um, where can we find you on social? Yeah. So on Instagram um, and Facebook, it's just at, Oglewood Ave. So the newest dropped. So just at Oglewood Ave. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to our plant therapy session. Was this a feelings podcast about houseplants or was it a houseplant podcast about feelings? I would love it if you guys headed over to Apple Podcasts and let me know down in the reviews what you thought about today's episode. I want to give a special thanks to the busiest man in the plant industry, Hilton Carter, Maria Fiala from Bloom and Grow Radio, and Jade Adams from Oglewood Avenue for joining us and giving us all of that hot houseplant insight we never knew we needed. You can learn more about all of our guests by checking out our show notes at hgtv.com slash podcast. And as usual, if you love today's episode, I would love it if you headed over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review HGTV Obsessed. A couple of you guys listened to me a few episodes ago and told me your favorite colors in the reviews. I'm not kidding. I rode that high for a solid week. Don't forget to follow HGTV Obsessed wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and we will see you next Thursday. 